Well, I was going to talk today about the gun culture in America because of all the gun violence that has been happening and that was on everybody's mind until two days ago and all the Supreme Court uh, decisions about gun control and why we are the only country in the world with more guns than people and no other country comes even close like factors of like 10 and hundreds and why is it that we can't pass any sensible gun control and why is it that church uh, in large part seems to be responsible for blocking any gun control and church that profess to follow Jesus seem to love gun rights so much when guns are exclusively instruments of death, aren't they? It seems very strange. And so I was going to talk about how to make sense of that. But then, two days ago, as you may have heard, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. And that is such a seismic event in this country. Uh, it was established protection for 50 years, and it's been overturned, and it's just so incredibly uh, hurtful and shocking to many people in everyone's mind, and I just felt compelled to switch the topic. And so, forgive me if um, this sermon did not have the, um, the usual amount of time. <laughs> Uh, for preparation, uh, you know, I just had to put this together yesterday. And so bear with me if it's a little bit rough around the edges. But especially since I'll be taking a break for two months uh, coming up uh, to work on some projects and also to visit Korea. I haven't been able to see my mom for three years because of COVID. And uh, I would actually really love your prayers throughout this time because she uh, had an accident just uh, a couple of days ago and broke her hip joint. And at her age, it's not great. The surgery apparently is um, standard surgery. It's supposed to go well. But then she's going to have to work really hard on physical therapy and rehab. Okay, so please pray for her. But anyway, I have to visit her and uh, won't be able to speak on this issue until I come back. So I just felt compelled to do this. Um, hey guys, just come on in. Just seat you up in the front. Don't worry about it. We are very casual church. It's okay. Don't worry. Come on in. So anyway, what happened? Roe v. Wade protected abortion rights until viability and in cases of threat to life of mother. This has been overturned now, uh, largely due to the political forces of the pro-life camp. The pro-life side has been animated by the argument that life begins at conception. And so fetus is a human with all its attendant human rights. And so the fetus has to be protected 
Abortion is an abomination that murders human beings by the millions. And so every Christian who values human life out to fight for ban on abortion. That's been the animating argument. You are all probably familiar with this. These are potent emotional arguments. So the question I want to address today is, is it true that all right-minded Christians must fight against abortion because these fetuses are human beings with all its attendant rights? Certainly any abortion is difficult for anyone involved. But is it true all abortion is murdering babies, which then demands moral outrage and legal ban on abortion? That's the question I'd like to address today. And I'm going to address this issue today from biblical, moral, and practical perspective. Because this is a, a very important question, right? This is uh, something that is going to impact the whole country, and this environment that we live in. And as Christians, we ought to at least be informed on both sides of the argument and I feel as a pastor, as a member of clergy in America, some of my perspective on these things as this is the kind of thing I am devoting my life to learn about and study and pass on. Sounds good? So first, the Bible's, pers uh, the biblical angle um, don't worry, don't worry, there's some seats up front still, right up here, don't worry about it. All right, biblically, abortion is mentioned only once in the Bible, in the Old Testament actually, and not mentioned at all in the New Testament, not even close doesn't come up. This is why the Judaic rabbinic tradition and their understanding of this issue is the expert opinion. Because their scholarship of the Old Testament is so very good. After all, it's the holy text Judaism and and it is the the Torah is just such a beloved uh, thing in Judaism that they just, so many people devote their whole lives to this for thousands of years and throughout history absolute majority rabbinic opinion held that fetus that cannot survive outside the womb is not a fully human that's been a consistent position of the rabbinic tradition the Bible passage on aborted fetus confirms this view from Exodus chapter 21. If people are fighting with each other and happen to hurt a pregnant woman so that the fetus comes out prematurely, then he must be fined, the person responsible must be fined as the husband demands. But if there is further harm, as in to the mother, 
It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound. So this passage considers the case of a premature birth due to some outside force. Someone's responsible, aborted fetus. And the fetus was not viable outside the womb. And because there is no medical facility even close to saving preemies back then, 100% these babies would die, right? I mean, by definition, they are not, they are not able to survive outside the womb because it's come out prematurely, it's been aborted. And there's no medical way to save them, so this tragic case, that's what this passage considers. And the interesting thing is that the penalty is a monetary fine. You know? And that's very worth knowing because in every biblical case, killing of a human being demanded life. There was no way to compensate for this monetarily. In every case. That's why Jewish Bible scholars held that position. For example, Professor Shalom Paul of Hebrew University of Jerusalem says this. All of these laws, i.e. the ancient Near Eastern law collections, including that of Exodus, regulate a monetary settlement for the loss of the fetus. The acceptance of a sum of money for the loss of a fetus in Exodus shows that according to biblical law, at least, a fetus is not considered to be a human being. Hence, it does not fall within the law of homicide. A monetary settlement would be prohibited. That is the rabbinic opinion. Even evangelical scholars on this text have largely agreed with this view. For example, Dolores Dunnett writes in the Journal of Evangelical Scholars, as we noted, the Exodus law deals with miscarriage. But it is interesting to note that the destruction of a fetus is penalized far less severely than is the killing of the mother. If the mother dies, then a life is given for her life. Monetary compensation is demanded in the case of the aborted fetus. Whereas the lax, lax talionis, life for life laws, applies when the mother is killed or harmed in any way. If therefore a miscarriage is involved in this law, our logic helps us conclude that divine law views a fetus as something of a different order than a mother. This is why today many leading Jewish figures have come out with protests, like the head of National Council of Jewish Women, Ban, place greater value on the life of the fetus than on the pregnant person, a violation of both Jewish law and tradition and American religious liberty. So this is the biblical perspective from the Bible. This is what? The Bible does not consider fetus a full human being until it is viable outside the womb. That is the majority opinion. 
Having said that, one can still argue that biblical perspective is not everything, right? That life begins at conception. One can still argue that. And therefore, it is a moral issue because, you know, ancient Bible texts doesn't always apply to modern life because we have better scientific understanding of these things. So one can still argue that this is a moral issue because any human life, any human being has rights equal to any other human life. So now let's consider the moral perspective. It is possible to argue that. But such arguments fail to consider the complexities of this issue. With abortion banned in many states, there were trigger laws in effect. So already, many states automatically has banned abortion. Because it's seen as murder, many mothers' lives will be put at risk. Uh, last year, a United States Senator, Gary Peters from Michigan, told a very personal story. Peters and his wife, Heidi, were pregnant with their second child, a baby they very much wanted. Heidi was four months along when a woman broke, leaving the fetus without amniotic fluid, a condition the fetus could not survive in. The doctor told the Peters to go home and wait for a miscarriage to happen naturally. It's the only option. But it didn't happen. So the doctor recommended an abortion, but it wasn't an option due to the hospital policy there banning the procedure. So he sent the couple home again to wait for a miscarriage, but Heidi's health deteriorated. The situation became dire. She could lose her uterus in a matter of hours or even die. The doctor appealed to the hospital's board for an exception to their anti-abortion policy, but was denied. The doctor said to them, they refuse not based on good medical practice, but based on politics. I recommend you find another doctor who can do this immediately. They were able to get into another hospital right away because they were friends with the chief administrator. Heidi was rushed into an emergency abortion that saved her uterus and her life. Now, how many people know heads of hospitals? Any of you? Not many. I mean, he is a U.S. senator, right? He's got a pool. What would have happened to ordinary people, poor people? She would have died. I have no doubt. It would have just gone. But now even senators in red states wouldn't be able to get such procedures now in timely manner because abortion would be seen as murder there. Hospitals wouldn't do it. Not even to save mother's life, even when, either way, the fetus is going to die. Right? There's no chance the fetus is going to survive, either way. But even then, hospitals would not be able to do it. This hospital would not do it because of their policy, because they, if you see the fetus as a full human being, then until it dies, it is a human being that's alive. Do you see that? 
hospital cannot be seen as causing the death of a human being, even if to save another human being's life, right? That's a moral dilemma doctors cannot touch. They won't do it. They'll just have to let it go because of legal responsibilities. Many now will die in such situations in those states, falling into these kinds of situations, both mother and fetus, doesn't matter. Because you wouldn't be able to find any hospital willing to do it, nor will they be even equipped to do such procedures. Why would hospitals maintain capabilities to perform abortions when it is illegal? They won't do it. There will not be abilities anymore to perform such procedures. So, there will now be great many tragic, strange, untenable situations that will arise now. For example, other examples. What, what happens if a mother takes some supplement or drinks a bit too much at six weeks pregnancy? not even realizing they were pregnant. And that leads to a miscarriage or deformation of the baby. If that fetus is a full human being, what is that? That would be manslaughter. It doesn't matter if you didn't know. It doesn't matter if it was a mistake. If you kill another human being, even if it's a ignorant mistake, it's manslaughter. Would such women now have to go to jail now? By this legal logic, they would have to. What do you think? I think most of us would say that's absurd. <laughs> but that is a situation we now find ourselves in, in many states. Because fetus at conception would now be seen as a full human being with all its attendant rights, even if it's just a few cells at that point. If it's just a few cells. And what about the fact that there will now be some abortions that will happen that would not have happened before? Many women in states that have banned abortion will now try to take abortion pills very early on when nobody else knows. Nobody else can know because it's just so early. They just because many will be under pressure to make a quick decision when if they had been allowed some time to consider the question carefully they may not do it. But now they are under the gun. If they wait just a little more and if anybody else finds out that they are pregnant, they will have no option. You know what I'm saying? They will face murder charges. So many women will feel like they have no choice but to just abort with some pill before anyone finds out there is no option otherwise afterwards. So there will now be abortions happening that would not have happened otherwise. 
Not many people seem to know this, but many estimate that we now have half the rate of abortion today than before the Roe v. Wade. Isn't that interesting and compelling? Are we now going to have more abortions possibly? I think that's a distinct possibility. So all this pro-life campaigning Well, heavenly music comes over. <laughs> Will it really reduce abortions? Or is it more about slogans that make you feel more righteous? Just sloganeering that just makes you feel like you are a morally upstanding person. This leads to the practical perspective. Abortions will happen anyway. It just will be more dangerous. It will be done in the dark and it will be done quick. Hundreds of World Health Organizations as well as United Nations came out with a statement saying the data shows, the data shows the need for abortion doesn't go away with abortion ban. It doesn't make difference. It just makes it more dangerous. That's what the data shows. And it will be so much easier on the rich than the poor. The rich people will just fly to New York and stay in a five-star hotel and get into best hospitals and get it, you know, it's all done. But the poor people have no options. It will just become very dangerous for poor people. This, is, this dynamic is so much like the pro prohibition. Do you know that word, prohibition? Does anybody? We all know it from like Netflix shows. Right? Boardwalk Empire and all those, right? But this was a real thing a hundred years ago. Prohibition. We must remember what happened in our past when a single issue captured the imagination of the conservative church. A century ago, the conservative church mobilized the entire country to prohibit alcohol, the language used to whip up moral outrage was apocalyptic. Alcohol was the single greatest evil of all time. It destroyed families by the millions. Uh, Christians are not supposed to drink at all. I don't know, does anybody? Like even now we feel that like in Korea these Christians would like, because of the Christian missionaries that came over, Long time ago, they, they were saying Christians cannot drink. It would be such an evil thing. If you drink even a, one drink, you are not a Christian, they would say. And Jesus drank. Jesus made 3,000 bottles of wine <laughs> from water at the wedding at Cana. Wow, now that's a sinner, right? It's just a strange dynamic, but when you buy into some slogan and a single issue, it can make you very strange and inconsistent. And they managed to pass a constitutional amendment to ban alcohol, right? The logic was alcohol causes so much destruction, all right-minded Christians must fight to ban alcohol because that will save 
lives, it will save families. And it's kind of true, right? Alcohol does great damage even today. So the Christians rallied around the banner of anti-alcohol league, much like the poor life banner today. It became the most powerful political organization pressure group in U.S. history. It was the great moral crusade of that time, much as abortion is today for pro-life camps. Now, what happened with pro prohibition? Does anybody know? After 13 years, everybody had enough. After 13 years, everybody was like, that doesn't work. So they appealed it, right? And now nobody wants to talk about it. Pro-life camp never mentions trying to ban alcohol, right? Even though alcohol does exactly the same harm today as 100 years ago. This should serve as a lesson for us. People seem to want clear-cut moral cause with emotional, simple slogans to rally around. It's satisfying. And it seems to happen periodically, especially with Christians. But such causes can lead to great harm. Just as AA groups have been so much more effective with the alcohol issue and prohibition, if we really were pro-life, we should be focused on supporting mothers. Christian focus needs to be on supporting mothers. If this country really wanted to reduce abortion, we need to provide better support for mothers who are, many of them are facing very difficult choices. This nation can do it. We spend a trillion dollars plus on defense. It's more than the next countries put together. What are we so afraid of? If we spent a fraction of that money, we can do so much to help so many mothers. And also, we can make the men legally responsible too, right? How come nobody talking? There you go. <laughs> How come nobody's talking about that, right? Well, so many women are just stuck with all the responsibilities. If, if the men were really responsible, we would have different political I assure you. Truly, we would have different decisions. So let's fight for causes like that instead of you know, simple emotional slogans like pro-life. It's not very thoughtful at all. Let's not get manipulated by simple slogans. Don't make abortion out to be such a clear-cut biblical, moral, practical issue. It's a very complicated issue. Well, banning abortion could and will lead to great many unforeseen tragedies that I mentioned today. And that's just off the top of my head that I thought of in one single day. There will be so many other cases of problems. Now, what is even more scary is the logic used to strike down Roe v. Wade. There is a legal principle called due process clause. That is the underlying support for Wade. And uh, much of what I'm about to say comes from Googling and reading articles and with John Pfaff in the congregation. He's a law professor. 
I tremble to speak on this issue. <laughs> he will undoubtedly come up afterwards and tell me the fine legal details. But anyway, here we go. This principle is the supporting principle for many other rights that we take for granted, such as the right to interracial marriage, equal rights to marriage for the LGBTQ community, even right to contraception. This is the principle that gives us those rights. The Supreme Court just repudiated wholesale that legal principle. This is why Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas wrote in his opinion in bold print that, we, that the Supreme Court must now go after and overturn the right to and the right to equal rights to marriage for LGBTQ community. He said these rights were demonstrably erroneous decisions. Actually, his reasoning is consistent considering what the Supreme Court has just decided. That is a consistent position, actually. Ironically, he does not mention the right to interracial marriage, <laughs> presumably because he is in one himself. <laughs> but that's all in the same basket. If you really want it to be What a scary world we would find ourselves in if we didn't have access to contraception, if we didn't have equal rights, if we weren't able to marry across race. I think many people in this congregation are in interracial relationships. Did you know 60 years ago that was illegal here in New York? It was illegal. You go to jail for this. Just 60 years ago. It's not long. It's very easy to go back to those days, those dark days. Do we want to live in a world such as that? Where even our access to contraception is banned? That is actually the, the official teaching of the Catholic Church. Did you know the Catholic Church worked very hard to ban condoms in Africa? and was greatly effective in that. In a continent being ravaged by HIV and AIDS epidemic, they caused untold misery with that stance. That could very well happen here. Just imagine such a world. There is no equal rights to marriage. There is no right to interracial marriage. There is no right to such things. We can't take these things for granted, people. We just live along, we think this is all good. It can very well happen, why not? It can be, it can be driven back a couple centuries. That kind of thing would be like living in a country, a Christian equivalent of Sharia law, right? It could happen. So we need to stand up and make our voices heard. I would ask you to think about different ways we could make our voices heard, that that's not what we want. As Christians, we have to fight to support life and love unconditional in all forms, 
in every way. We must do this. Today our church is supporting the Pride March. Um, today it feels especially important and weighty to show our support. It is always important to show support for all people to have their basic rights. Because the Bible teaches us clearly man or woman in Christ Jesus. There is no gender in Christ Jesus. This should not, this gender should not be a discriminating category to make some group of people second class citizens with a lot less rights. <laughs> Amen? Amen? We believe in agape, unconditional love. That is the bedrock principle of Christian faith. Agape is what the cross is all about. The gospel speaks to us that God incarnate died for every human being, regardless of whether they were sinners, good people, believers, unbelievers, bad people, good people, it didn't matter. That is what the Bible teaches clearly. It's not about what we do and what a good, righteous, obedient person you are. It's about what God has done. It's about how God sees you. It's about how God sees every human being and their ability to thrive and have fullness of life. That is a very powerful message that I gave my life to. That you and I and everyone is worth the life of God incarnate. That is why we do church. That is why we gather together. That is why we remind each other this is what undergirds our life, our faith, how we see ourselves and the world. So today I'm hoping that as many of you as possible will stick around, show your support, talk to each other, talk to the pastoral staff, email us. Let's think through how we can show support, how we can stand up for all people. It is not right that life's burdens fall so disproportionately on women, on the poor, the poor pregnant women, LGBTQ community. Life is hard and harder on different people. Let's stand up together. Let's do this as Christians. Amen? Now I'm going to invite Allison up to say a few words because as a woman, as a thoughtful pastor with an MDiv degree from Union, she, her thoughts are invaluable. Thank you. So even though the opinion had been leaked, um, when the actual news came out that Roe v. Wade had been overturned, it hit me really hard. Um, it hit me hard as a person who has a uterus, uh, but it also hit me hard as someone who has a trauma history. Um, in the past, individuals have used their power to make decisions about my body without my consent. 
And the decision by the Supreme Court brought me right back to that place of violation and dehumanization. Some of you might relate to my personal experience. Others of you may be experiencing anger or fear about future decisions that will be made. You may be wondering if your rights will be stripped away, your identities dismissed, or your relationships called into question. These are big feelings to hold. An image that has helped me the last few days comes from Psalm 56. The psalmist cries out to God in despair and in the process says this, you have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your record? The psalmist paints a picture of God as attentive to our every toss and turn. And this image of God collecting every tear that we shed in a bottle as if it's sacred. As we move into worship, and I'd like to invite the worship team up here, um, I encourage you to consider this image. Even if you can't form words to express what you're feeling, you can offer God your tears and cries and groans and sighs as a form of prayer. We also you know, want you to know if you're struggling right now, the staff is available to talk and pray with you. Feel free to grab one of us after the service uh, or email us uh, to arrange to connect during the week.